Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Scottish Clans Podcast. I'm Clint Edwards, and I'm excited to have you along with me again today. I hope things are going well for you in whatever part of the world you're listening to this in. Things are going pretty well here in southeast Idaho. We've had a lot of good storms lately, winter, winter storms. They make driving conditions awful, but I don't know if you know anything about this part of the world, but we rely on these winter storms to give us the moisture that we need to get through our dry summers. Now, up here in this higher country, it's not quite as dry as some of the lower elevation areas. We tend to stay green a little longer, but we do eventually need those that, that moisture that we accumulate in the mountains in the form of snow, which then in the spring melts and fills up our reservoirs and allows us to have enough water for crops and everything else you need water for, like life in general. Anyway, but they, like I said, that does make driving hard sometimes, and we've had some school closures. And Anyway, it's been good. It's been good. We're grateful for the moisture. So thanks for joining me for this particular podcast. I'm excited to talk about this today. Last episode, episode 24, we talked about the gallo glass, and it was just kind of a overview of who the gallo glass were. So to start off with, I'll give you a little recap uh, on the, you know, a summary on who the gallo glass were. And then today we're going to get into the specific kindreds that formed the bulk of these mercenary warriors. So like I just said, the gallo glass were mercenaries. They were gathered from the West Highlands and Isles of Scotland, specifically the Hebrides. If you're not familiar with the map of Scotland, Scotland looks like it has a waste. And so as you're looking at it on a map, above the waste tends to be the highlands. This is a really, really rough description, but the except for the the eastern side, which the, the eastern, coming up along the east coast of Scotland, there's some lowland area there. But most of the territory above that waste of Scotland, which is formed by the Firth of Clyde coming in from the west and the Firth of Forth coming in from the east, above that, most of that is considered the highlands. So the western highlands going up against the west coast of Scotland. And then if you were to stand on the west coast of Scotland and look west out into the sea, you would not see just open stretches of ocean. You would see islands out there, and those are the Hebrides. And so that's the territory that these Galaglass warriors are originating from. They they're the, the day of the Galaglass comes from about the middle of the 1200s, clear up until the very early part of the 1600s. Now, you can really dive into a lot greater detail than what I'm going to give you today. I've done a lot of reading on this, so really I'm just going to give you enough to whet your appetite, and then you're going to need to pick it up from there and move forward if you want to dive into it deeper. Once again, to continue with the recap on this, these these galoglass, it comes from a Gallic word, galoglach, meaning young foreign warrior. So the foreign part, the gal part of galoglass, that's referring to the mixed heritage of these people, mixed as in Scandinavian and Gallic heritage. 
And so clear up until the mid-1200s, which is about the time you start to see these warriors hiring themselves out to Irish chieftains and lords, the, this part of Scotland that we're referring to belonged to the Kingdom of Norway. And so that was a very real part, even though the Viking Age, as we call it, ended in the early to mid-1000s. The Norway retained control of that part of Scotland right up until you had the Battle of Largs, and it didn't all come to a halt at that battle, but that was a Norwegian defeat. And then not long after that, you see the acquisition of that territory by the Scottish crown. So up until that time, the King of Scots did not control that territory that these Galloglass are coming from. So it was, it was acknowledged Scandinavian territory, even though these warriors were thoroughly Gallic in culture. The Scandinavians who had settled in these parts were thoroughly Gallicized, Gallicized, however you want to say it. So that, that's what we're referring to when we say foreign in Gal, part of Galloglass. So they were heavily armored. They wore coats of mail that stretched down to about the calf, steel helmets, long-handled axes, like pole axes, and, and big swords, the, the claymore, even though if you think of claymore and there's a stereotypical shape that that would have assumed, all we're talking about is a big sword. So we're not talking about a specific shape, so don't get too bogged down in that. And they came down in kindred groups into Ireland. It became very prestigious for the different major players in Ireland to have these have contingents of Galloglass in their ranks. They were known for ferocity and for absolutely committing themselves to not yielding on the battlefield. So, and they were a good, they were, as they came into Ireland at a time where the Normans were gaining momentum, they provided a check to Norman power. Now, that is to say, as the, as the native Irish resisted the Norman encroachment, however, the Normans came to hire them themselves, and even not just the Anglo-Norman lords, but later on, the actual... Um, representatives of the English crown in Ireland would, were known to hire them. There's another detail that I want to include about the Galloglass. Now, they're originating from the Western Highlands and Isles, yet as time goes on, it was not purely Scottish gales of mixed Gaelic and Scandinavian descent coming down into Ireland, it came to be a type of unit rather than referring to a specific group of people. Native Irish were looking at these men who held a very prestigious position within Irish society, and later in the history, as you get into the 1500s, their, their ranks would have been would have included native Irish people who were fighting in the manner of the Galloglass. And so we just got to understand that that's what this, the, the evolution of that term Galloglass. So the, uh, the, the today's episode, I want to focus on the different kindreds or clans that made up these groups, especially in their origin. So I think I'm going to start off with 
those clans that were descended from Summerlid or Sowerle in, in Gaelic. So these, these three clans, I've mentioned them before, so this isn't the first time we've ever talked about these clans. Yet they, they each have kind of a different, a, a different history as it relates to their participation in this mercenary trade in Ireland. The, the three clans I'm specifically referring to are MacDonnell, MacDougall, and McRory. Now, I have other episodes where I specifically, I go into a lot more detail. I've mentioned all of these before. And so today I am not going to go into a really in-depth explanation of these different clans. We'll just, we'll just touch on some things and talk about their involvement as Galloglass warriors. If you want to learn about the different, the different, uh, the, the more more in depth on the histories of these specific clans, I'm looking da- down through the the different episodes I've done. I, I, episode eleven was on the origin of the Lords of the Isles, so that you can go, go a lot more detail into the McDonalds on that one. The following episode is the Battle of Harlaw, which also includes quite a bit the McDonald clan. So I, those are those are just a couple right off the top of my head. If you want to go in a little bit more detail about the uh, the McDonald specifically, uh, the McDougals, actually we uh, I included them. If you go into the I'm looking back through my my different episodes here, you have the Appen Stewarts versus the rest of Argyle in episode eight, and the McDougals were right in the middle of all those events there. So you can you can go into those those episodes and, and read more about or listen rather more about those specific clans. I'm gonna start off with as they relate to the Galaglass with the McDonald's. So the McDonald's they a lot of I I guess I gotta preface this by saying that a lot of the different kindreds involvement in the Galloglass trade was influenced by their involvement in the Scottish Wars of Independence. Now we see Galloglass, we see Scottish mercenaries coming to fight in Ireland before the Scottish Wars of Independence. Yet it seems like the, that event, this, specifically the first one involving Robert Bruce and the ones that, that have been popularized through movies such as Braveheart and the Outlaw King, those events greatly influenced the involvement of certain clans in the mercenary trade in Ireland. Now, the McDonald's less so. The McDonald's, they had actually, in the Scottish Wars of in- War of Independence, under Angus Og, who was not the chief of all the McDonald's at this time, his older brother Alistair was... The was the leader, the 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 ultimate leader of the McDonalds at this time, and he seems to have favored. He did not side with Robert Bruce. Angus Og did. He is featured in Outlaw King, to a pretty good degree, and he is actually responsible for getting Robert Bruce to safety after some crushing defeats by the ink against the English, and almost dying with an ambush against the McDougals. 
Angus Og gets him off to some McDonald territory and, and provides him with some safety until he can get his feet back underneath him and take another shot at it, which turns out to be successful. That results in the McDonald rise to power because they picked the right side. The similar same thing could be said for the Campbells. Now, so that puts them in a different inclusion, the Gallaglass trade, than it does the McDougals or McRory's. The, the McDonald involvement in Ireland actually stems from their advantageous marriage with a Bissett heiress, the McDonalds of Dunnyveg, which is, so they're, they're um, I think another term for, for the McDonalds of Dunnyveg or Clan Donald South, and the McDonalds of, of Isla. The McDonalds of Skye would be Clan Donald North or Clan Ushton. So these McDonald's from the from Isla, from the specifically Dunny Vague, they intermarry with the Bissets, who were a Norman family of at one time pretty great power within Ireland and Scotland, and this is how they come to acquire some territory in Northern Ireland in what would be what's now called Antrim. So it it comes through their involvement comes mostly through marriage. And as they get established there, they expand their territory through marriage, but also through military exploits. And so they, they, they end up hiring themselves out and become involved in Ireland and Irish affairs that way. They were not chased out of Scotland. Um, I think that's all I'm going to talk about the McDonald's as, as far as that's concerned. They, that, that puts them in a much different category than their kinsmen, also descendants of Summerlid, the MacDougals. Now, the MacDougals, as I've mentioned before, were the senior kindred of the descendants of Summerlid between the MacDougals, MacDonalds, and McRorys. They were the senior. Now, which one was dominant at different times? That's a different story. But the MacDougals, before the Scottish War of Independence, were very powerful. And... The problem with, with or what, what ended up becomes a problem for them is that they side with the Cummins because John Cummin was the chief of the MacDougall's brother-in-law. This is the Cummin that was murdered by Robert Bruce in the church, the Greyfriars, Greyfriars uh, was it Cathedral, they call it, Abbey? I can't remember which one. But anyway, so that automatically set the McDougals against Robert Bruce, his murder of John Cummins there. And we know that 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 doesn't go well in the long run for the McDougals, especially as they ambush a retreating, Robert the Bruce is retreating from the English, from military defeat, through territory in the vicinity of the McDougals. They ambush him. He narrowly escapes and makes it out, like I said earlier, with the help of Angus Og MacDonald. Og is Gaelic for young, so his father was Angus Moore, which is Angus the Great or Big MacDonald or something along those lines. So he gets Robert the Bruce out. Now, when Robert Bruce gets his feet back underneath him and starts winning and actually gains the throne of Scotland, he remembers very well who sided with him, and who sided against him. And since he almost died with the McDougal ambush, he goes back and takes it to the McDougals and defeats them, and then confiscates most of their property. So things become very hard for the McDougals as Robert Bruce 
gains the throne of Scotland. So this would this would this is how a lot of those MacDougals come to Ireland for greener pastures, and they actually do very well there. Um, they serve under the O'Neills of Tyrone, which is the land of Own. It goes back to the an O'Neill ancestor, and so. As they get established, you see the different kindreds, we see an alignment of different groups coming from Scotland, lining up with certain groups in Ireland. Different groups tended to side with different sides or or align themselves with specific clans. So we see the MacDougals aligning themselves and working for the O'Neills in Northern Ireland, the most powerful kindred in Northern Ireland. Now, just like the... The McDougals and the McDonalds and the McRoys were were kin to each other. Some of the major powers in Northern Ireland were also kin to each other. And in this case, you have the O'Neills, who were, I believe, the most powerful kindred in Northern Ireland. But another kindred that was also very powerful, they were also kin to the O'Neills. And these, I'm talking about the O'Donnells of Tyrconnell, which is the territory that today is called Donegal. So... As the MacDougals get established in Northern Ireland, they things I believe things go a lot better for them in Northern Ireland than it does back in Scotland. Even though the MacDougals are not completely swept out of Scotland, they hang on and continue to have a role to play in Scotland in the future dates. But as they establish themselves in Ireland, you have MacDougal. But also, if let me uh, just talk about Gaelic the Gaelic language here for a second and what it does to names. I did go into this in earlier episodes, some of those that I mentioned, like in the episode about the Stuart Appen, the Appen Stuarts, Stuarts of Appen, and their feuds that they had with the MacDougals, what happens to the sound of the name MacDougal. So when you use the genitive case, which shows possession, right? So we're just talking about what a noun does within a sentence. When we're showing possession, like son of, Dougal, you drop an H, which in this case is not so much a letter as it is a, an accent mark. It changes the sound of the con, cons, uh, consonant that it is next to. So in the case of a D, it either changes that D to a, sometimes a almost a Y sound, like a Y sound, but also sometimes it sounds like a guttural G, like a R. So, Mac, Mac, Macgool is what that ends up sounding like. So, if you're just to say that quickly, it sounds like Macool or or Ghoul. So, and 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 that that G in the middle of Dougal drops out too. So, so it can sound like Macool or or also it can sound like if you drop that G sound, which also gets an H next to it, as you start messing around with the declining of nouns, you see. It also can sound like McDowell. Now, so we have the formation of McDowell or Doyle or Coyle. So these are, and that, that Coyle goes back to what McCool. So anyway, I don't know if any of that made sense to you, but I'm just trying to explain how we see different forms of the name McDougal take shape within Ireland. So these forms of the name become more common in Ireland. So... Anyway, that's that's the McDougal portion of this. Let's let's move on to the McRorys. McRorys are an interesting kindred. As a power, they cease 
to be a power in Scotland in about the mid-1300s. So they're, they're kind of like the McDonald's when we talk about in relation to which role they played in the Scottish War of Independence. It seems, as, as far as I've been able to read on this, that some of the McRory's joined their kinsmen, the McDougal's, in siding with the Cummins. However, there was a faction of them. There is a Karaschina McRory, uh, who was, comes from the, one of the leading families of the McRory's. She marries the Earl of Mar, who is connected in, a, in akin to Robert Bruce. So she actually is pro-Bruce. So we see different sides of the different people within the McRory leading members of the clan siding on, putting, getting on different sides of this fight. And maybe it's because of that that the McRory's do not suffer as bad as their kinsmen, the McDougal's, who seem to be solidly on the side of the Cummins, no friends of the Bruce's in this conflict. So the McRory's do not lose everything or most everything like the McDougal's did after Robert Bruce gains the throne of Scotland. What ends up happening to the McRory's is that they run out of male heirs. And Anya McRory, the heiress, marries good John of Isla, the chief of the McDonald's and lord of the Isles. And they have some kids together, Ronald being foremost among them. And this is where we get Clan Ronald, that branch, a major branch of the McDonald's. Clan Ronald, well, so let me go back. Good John of Isla sees the rising star that is the Stuarts, kicks Anya McRory to the side. Sometimes her name is anglicized as Amy McRory. Kicks her to the curb and marries a Stuart and gets connected in with them what will become a royal line within Scotland. And there's different branches of the McDonald's that are descended from that. But the Clan Ronald tend to inherit the McRory estates through their mom. And so basically what was Clan Rory, they are represented in more modern times by the 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 Clan Ronald McDonald's. And if this starts start sounding like a McDonald commercial with Ronald McDonald, now you know where that linguistically and that culturally all comes from originally. So, uh, so just to say that maybe in a more concise manner, Clan Ronald, the branch of the McDonald's, inherit through their mother, through the female line, the McRory territories, and they kind of represent the McRory branch of the descendants of Summerlid. Anyway, this is the, the McRory's are the first recorded mercenaries of Scottish origin in Ireland. And it's, I don't know if mercenary is even the correct form. So what happens is the O'Connor, King of Connacht, marries a McRory, and she is a daughter of Dougal McRory, who is the chief of the kindred. And she brings with her 160 warriors as part of her dowry. And they are led by Dougal McRory's younger brother, Alan. Alan. So we see the introduction of these West Highland 
Hebridean clans from Scotland as a fighting force in a kin structure introduced into Ireland. So that's the, so the McRory's had the distinction of being the first among these. Let me look at my notes, see if I've got anything else I want to include on the McRory's. That's, that's just kind of how they become involved in things in, in, uh, in Ireland. They, the McRory history is actually about the same time as they're getting introduced into Ireland with this marriage. You have the conflict between Hakon, the king of Norway, and the, this contest between the Nor- Norwegians and the Scottish crown under Alexander III. His father, Alexander II, had begun aggressive pushes into the western highlands and isles, which were, since Viking times, under control of the Norwegian crown. This is not part of Scotland. And so Alexander III picks up where his father leaves off and makes some violent incursions into the Hebrides. In fact, Ferker MacIntaggart, who was the Earl of Ross, he was one of the Obiolan Earls of Ross, uh, at probably at the King of Scots' instigation, makes a, a devastating rage, uh, raid into the Isle of Skye. So when Hakon shows up in Scotland to fight the Scots, he's, he's doing so in response to these raids into what is his territory. Now the McRory's were neck deep in this conflict, and in fact they would have probably originally sided with Hakon and given him their their loyalty. Now, if you're familiar at all with the Battle of Largs, and I think it was 1263, you know that this doesn't go well for the Norwegians. And so maybe are we expecting those who sided with Hakon to suffer the same way as people who sided with the Cummins later on? Well, it seems like as soon as this territory, as soon as it's clear that the Norwegians have lost in this, and the Scots, the King of Scots, is firmly in control of this territory, it, it looks like the McRory's go ahead, concede the point. They do not continue a stubborn resistance against the King of Scots, nor do their kinsmen, the McDougals or McDonald's. And they come to play an important role. So it looks like they're accepted and legitimized by the King of Scots and, and retain their territory. But it's at this same time period that you see them introduced into Ireland as a fighting kindred. So um, that's just a little background on the the uh, introduction of the McRory's as Galaglass, as Hebridean West Highland fighters fighting for Irish lords. So the O'Connor, King of Connacht, would have enjoyed their services very early on. I think we only, I think, at, and at this time period, that the word Galaglass isn't even used. I don't think we see that in writing until 1290. Now, like I said, the Scottish War of Independence had a huge impact on this. Now, I think I'm, I'm coming up on a half-hour episode, and I'm trying to keep these to about 30 minutes. And so I'm going to have to turn this into a part three, which I'm, doesn't bother me at all. I've got other kindreds to discuss you know what? I might, I might just before I conclude, and before I conclude, I will include a couple of other kindreds 
and the reason I have time to do this is because there's not a lot known about them. I'm going to talk a little bit about the McCabe's and the McSheehy's, as well as maybe McCoy. These, the McCabe's, not a lot is known about them, but they are a Galaglass kindred. They tend, they, they're found mostly in what becomes County Cavan. They, I, I was looking on scottclans.com. Thank you, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Moffat, for your work. The, uh, they, on, according to their website, the McCabe's, linguistically, we are looking at something that may have originally looked like Macaba. And they may have, according to scottclans.com, been a branch of the McLeods. I could not, if you, if you know someplace I need to look, please let me know. And I'll give you those resources at the end of the episode where we can continue this conversation. But that's all I got on the McCabe's. They are another Galaglass kindred. The McSheehy's are another one that I had a really hard time finding any kind of information on as far as who they are connected to, where they're coming from. They don't seem to, if they're coming from Scotland, they do. They seem to have completely removed to Ireland because we don't see the McSheehy of any, any, play any kind of an important role in the history of Scotland. Unlike the clans that I've already mentioned, the McDonald's, they go on to play a major role in Scotland. The McDougal's, their power is diminished, but they still hold on. They are still a Scottish clan. They didn't all go to Ireland. And the McRory's, we don't see them much after the mid-1300s. Like I said, their, their territory and, and future is kind of absorbed into the clan Ronald. And so, but the McSheehy's, we don't... We don't see them at all later on in Scotland. So I don't, I don't really have much to give you. Once again, if you got more on that, I'd love to know it. McCoy, we see them also as a Galaglass kindred. McCoy, linguistically, is the same as Mackay. And I'm not going to go neck deep into that like I did with the McDougals. And I'm not a, I don't claim to be an expert. I'm not fluent in Gaelic. I know Gaelic phrases. I've had to learn something about it as much as I've studied the subject, but I could not hold a conversation. I could give basic greetings in Scottish Gaelic. I am not an authority on this subject, and I'm fascinated to know about it if any of you that are listening to this are, and you need to square away some of my stuff here. I've done my best. That's all I can tell you. But McCoy and Mackay, and as you come over to America, Mackay, they come linguistically from the same name. And so they get established as a Galaglass kindred. There's a lot of Galaglass kindreds established in Ireland. And these major clans like the McDonald's, like the McDougal's, um, they, they have sects, they have branches. So there's other names associated with these kindreds as they move from Scotland into Ireland. And so we can go into a lot of other surnames that are connected with this Galaglass phenomenon. So I'm going to, like I said, do a part three on this. There's some other really interesting Galaglass kindreds that I have not gotten into. I'll maybe just give you a quick preview of some of those. I'm going to talk about another major Galaglass kindred that needs to be discussed. A conversation on this topic would not be complete without talking about the McSweens, who came to be known in Ireland as the McSweenies or Sweenies. And then also, there's two other very 
they're, they're names that are not commonly associated with the Gala Glass movement, but they were. And I'm going to talk more about that in part three. So please join with me next time for episode 26. This is episode 25. Hallelujah. I'm at a quarter of a hundred. That's pretty cool. We've uh, made it to episode 25. 26 will be these, I'll follow up with the rest of these kindreds that need to be discussed. Tune into those to find out which kindreds you wouldn't really think of as Galaglass kindreds, but who were very much involved in this. If you would like to continue this conversation with me, you've got things you want to ask about, you've got things you want to maybe add to the conversation. It's not so much a question as it is a comment. If you need to maybe supplement some gaps in my personal knowledge, I do not claim to be omniscient on this subject. So please help me out. I'll welcome the feedback. You can do that at facebook.com forward slash clans of Scotland, which is the, the actual Facebook page is called Scottish clans, just like the podcast is. Scottish clans was taken, so I had to go with clans of Scotland. So that's the web address, but the actual page is the Scottish clans. So join with me there. Comment. I'll, I, I always post the link in the Scottish clans Facebook page, and you can comment there. You can comment, uh, contact me through Messenger, which a lot of you have done. I will be reaching out to the different Facebook pages of the clans that are involved in this episode to say, hey, we've got something for you guys on here. So in some of those, you might be commenting on some of those links that I that I include on some of your pages there. Although it is more, it's easier for me to, if you go to the Scottish Clans page and comment there, just so I'm not have to check 500 different pages, I can just check the Scottish Clans Facebook page. But I'm welcome however you get them to me. The link that I post is a Podbean dot com link podbean.com forward slash scottish clans is the podbean if, you, if you're just on a desktop computer and you just type in that web address it'll take you to podbean that's my web host and so you can go there and you can look through the episodes and you can anyway we can continue you can leave me messages through that it's, and there is a podbean app i've got an iphone i believe there's also an app for the android so you can we can also communicate through podbean if you would like so i i'd encourage you to do that i i i love i've have very i've received a lot of joy from your feedback this is starting to pick a little momentum up and i'm very grateful for it i love talking about it and that's kind of why I started the podcast. I just wanted to reach out to people who are also passionate about the subject. And I've had a lot of very meaningful interaction with you as you've responded to this. Um, the one thing I would ask you to do is whatever platform you're listening to this on, iTunes, Spotify, the Podbean app, whatever, please leave me a review, leave me a rating. And one more thing, will you share this with somebody that you think might be interested in this, you probably know somebody who would, who's, who's down for it. And you'd be surprised for it. I'm surprised at some of the members of my own community who have tuned into this and made this a part of their, a, a part of their, as they, their, 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 as they drive different places. And I'm, I'm very grateful for those of you who have done that. So thank you for listening today. Please join me next, next time for a continuation of the conversation about the Gala Glass and I, until then, I hope things go very well for you. Have a, have a great day.